Give us our intro. <laughs> Welcome to the Villagers podcast. It is August 1st, 2023. Yes, I know I'm a day wow. ahead, but we are re- recording a day of previous. Wow. <laughs> Do you know what happens this month? What? I become a sextagenarian. I'm not a septuagenarian, yeah. but I'm a, I become 60 <laughs> this month. Okay, I got to tell you, I started using the word septuagenarian and octogenarian in my on my speeches and all my writings about the the stuff at the school board. Everybody's using it now. And I was like, who would have thought the guy that got a C in English has brought two words to Oklahoma? <laughs> but, but sextagenarian's a little tougher because it sounds like sex. So it's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is the ir- irony of being 60 would be the opposite of sextagenarian, generally. So, Some sort cheers. of prudish asshole is going to tell you, stop using that word, man. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll guarantee you it's coming. So um, what was that BBC video? What was that, dude? That was like three large, not necessarily intertwined stories mm-hmm. with really, really long pieces of music. Yeah. Okay. So that is basically <laughs> by this guy called Adam Curtis. Okay. Very famous yeah. in-house BBC documentary maker. So the BBC right. always puts out these statements saying that, listen, this is his opinion. Please don't call us and say these are not facts. <laughs> that <laughs> makes more sense. Okay. Because idiots would keep calling the BBC and be like, okay, we have a problem with Adam Curtis because this is not factual. And they're like, no, we told you it's a fucking opinion, you idiot. <laughs> All right. Well, evidently, they mumbled that part because I didn't hear it. I, <laughs> hey, look, I, I found the whole thing fascinating on the decline end of the BBC. And he was talking about literally how that personally affected the people over there. Which I, the British Empire? I, I, yeah, I find almost ironic. So. Um, mm-hmm. You'd think they'd want their kids to stop dying in all these other countries so commerce would continue, but <laughs> I, I guess it's part of the deal, man. <laughs> part of the deal. Yeah. I have a nice bridge, so it's okay that two of my kids have died for this shit. <laughs> I, 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 found it, I found it fascinating, yet uh, deeply, deeply disturbing. So tell people what, what I watched so we can talk about this in a way that makes a little more sense. Yeah, so we were watching the documentary by Adam Curtis called uh, Can't Get You Out of My Head. Yeah. And it's yeah, actually which a six-part series. <laughs> oh, dear God. Wow. So okay, well, I there, made it, there made it through part st- one. <laughs> okay, so there are five episodes after that where right. it kind wow. of connects everything back to today's day and age. I, I can see similarities there already. What... Biggest thing I would say about today's day and age in America right now, seeing as I am literally in the middle of the the, uh, the embryos being put together out of the freezer of, of what mm-hmm. we're trying to move to, school wise here. So you know, I've got the we've got the churches getting their grab back on schools, which are hilarious because the actual um, poll numbers on public schools are eighty percent of the parents with kids in school are quite happy with it. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty high odds for public school. It's the people who don't have kids in public school that only hear it on the news. They are the ones that are 80% unhappy. Oh. And you go, so that is the Chinese methodology. They've changed. Everything's bad. Everything's emergency in the classroom, catastrophe in the classroom, all this stuff. And then the, 
occasional school shooting, which, I mean, those are the same people blaming on everything else, but they won't help fix that. Yeah. So we're in a weird place, but the we are seeing um, that media manipulation playing out in live, live, live life. I don't know any other way to put it. So the, what the hell was the TV show that, or the movie that had Tom Hanks in it and he was on TV the whole time? Uh, thought it was him. I oh, thought it was it him. was Jim Carrey. It was the Truman Show. Oh, there you go. Truman Show. Yeah, I'm living it. I'm living it. It's a, <laughs> I literally had a guy last week. So John, uh, the bartender here, is about 25 years old. And he's a bit of a hippie. Super nice mm-hmm. guy. Honest as shit. So he has a guy go, you know, I have, I loved coming into the pub, you know, all of that political stuff with Sean. I just, I just can't have that. And he goes, well, don't come in then. Same shit. I would say, well, don't come in. It is an Irish (laughs) pub. We are, we are the breeding ground for politics and religion discussions and usually does not end up in fights. See, at least in your pub, people have to dress up. They have to read a couple of articles and then come right. sit down there and then we shout at each other and fight. And then right. we're like, okay, fine. I'll buy you a pint and we're calling this quits. <laughs> and, you can, and you can call each other fuckers and nobody writes you up in a newspaper or shows up to your job. Minus the Yelp articles yeah. that you get written. <laughs> right. <laughs> Exactly. Do you remember that uh, person who left that Yelp review on your arrest on the pub saying that um, it's a nice place, but the regulars are real rowdy and keep dropping (laughs) F-bombs? And it was you that they were talking about? I... I, I do kind of remember that, believe it or not. I do. <laughs> hey, but, but so the, the worst the worst one, before we get back to talking about our, our video, the worst and the funniest thing I've ever had anybody do is call me. And so if, if somebody has a complaint that's so ridiculous, an employee of mine will literally give them my cell phone number <laughs> and say, you can call him, but I wouldn't if I were you. <laughs> so... so I get this. Uh, I get this call, Deepak, and I'm in Tulsa on a film shoot, um, mm-hmm. working through the night. And you've worked on film shoots through the night. Yeah. You know what? You know what? You really don't need is any other aggravation because everything is aggravating already. Mm-hmm. So, I answer the phone, and he mumbles out who it is, and I go, "Well, I mean, it's eleven o'clock at night. What can I do for you?" Because you know he didn't say, "Hey, the place was on fire," or somebody got shot. You know, the, no. the things that you'd expect at 11 at night. And uh, he's, well, I was I was in your place and I am very upset. And I they told me I should just call you. And I was like, oh, this is going to be good. OK, <laughs> so I was like to the the producer or the, the assistant producer. And I was like, man, I need 10 minutes. And so I go over and what he says is I was in your place. I was sitting at the bar. All of these people were talking about politics. And there was a woman next to me who kept like hitting on me. And I go, okay, sir. I mean, are you, are you calling me to complain or brag? I'm not, I mean, <laughs> is this good or bad? Right. I wish I was kidding. And he goes, it was bad. I told her I was not interested and she just kept bothering me. Now the irony of a man saying that about a woman mm. in a bar is just yeah. shocking. And I said, you do see the irony of this, right? And he goes, there's no irony. There, for one, they, they were arguing about politics. And I've got this girl I'm not interested in that won't leave me alone. 
And then I'm trying to remember what the third thing was. And maybe it was that the drinks were too strong. Some shit where I, literally I oh, go, God, if, if I got a good read, this is a compliment. If I got a bad read, this is a cut. <laughs> so I literally told the guy, I said, well, can I use this in an ad? And he goes, what? And I go, well, that sounds like the best night anybody could have right now. I know. And you just need a little change, change of tone and cadence. <laughs> Hey, right, Sean, how are you doing? By the way, I was at your bar. Everybody was talking politics. The drinks were <laughs> fucking strong. And this lady next to me was hitting me, hitting on me. What the fuck would you do? You'd be like, okay, welcome to Sean Cummings Irish pub. <laughs> That's right. I'm like, so he gets off the phone and he's almost crying. And, and he ends up writing something mean after that as well. But I was like, it's all in your view. You know, mm-hmm. if you, if real Irish pubs, for those of you who've never been in a real one, uh, politics and religion is what my country is about. We were controlled by the Catholic Church and the British forever. And then when we could get either one of them out for a short while, they were always trying to come back in as if it was a cousin looking for a bed that wasn't infested with bed bugs. So there's just no way around <laughs> So we talk about it a lot. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Okay, so... You know, a lot of people from India, I've heard over the years, they have bad things to say about the British, but they did teach you guys about commerce. Oh, yeah. And they gave you the international language of money. And that's shit people would say to us. And I'd go, yeah, but, you know, they, they killed 30% of the population. And they go, well, you know. And you go, I, yes, I do know. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would have six more cousins on that side if it wasn't for them. I, right. <laughs> India would have 3 billion people (laughs) and people would look at that like it was a a net positive. And you go, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's how it has to work. You know, the, uh, the East India company were motherfuckers. Let's say, excuse my language, but they were motherfuckers. (laughs) So at least anyway, figured out that, okay, we can trade spices with other countries once we kick these bastards out. (laughs) God almighty. It is amazing to me, my man. So back to your back to your movie on the decline of the uh, well. So it's really not about just the decline. I just like that. That's how he put that whole thing. Look, in America right now, you know, everybody's familiar with Donald Trump and he had the make America great again hat. And look, that that stuff's been going on for 100 years as if as if we were never great. I mean, we've we've got to. It's. It's an amazing opportunity in America is what we are. It doesn't mean the place itself is all great, but you have amazing opportunities here yeah. if you want to take them. And, and every immigrant class has been treated like shit here. That's how we make our money. We bring them in and work mm-hmm. them for nothing because slavery is illegal. We just figured out a way to do it with somebody else. Right? I mean, I'm sorry, but that's the truth. The, uh, and then they eventually move up into the next class. Like my dad had a third or fourth grade education, one or the other, depending on which day um, he talked about it. And and all mm-hmm. seven kids graduated from college. You know, a few with master's degrees. That's that's America. Yeah. Yeah. So see, that's you know that's why they say right immigrants are the ones who actually don't complain about America. One, we showed no. up. We showed up way late. Like once you started treating black people a little decently, we were like, "All right, right maybe we should." I guess it's now. okay. Right? I guess it's okay now. Well, and, and I know I've had this discussion with you, and I've had this with other uh, Asian friends of mine over the years. 
America is no different than than any other culture as far as this goes. So you go to Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, um, that general mm-hmm. vicinity. The Mexicans are the believe themselves to be the top of the lot, and they literally treat the other ones in a succinctly different way of shit. Like they shit on them yeah. differently depending on where they came from. And what it all has to do with is how rural were you? And if you were mm-hmm. really rural, they treat you like a dog. And if you were more from a city, eh, you were probably a little better and smarter, which is never the case, but that, that's how mm-hmm. it goes. And here, whoever comes along doesn't know how it works. That's why they get treated like shit. And then obviously the secondary fear of, God, this guy does three times as much work as me for half the money. I'm in trouble. And then they mm-hmm. eventually figure out a way to take advantage of that person. That's when they stop being shitty to him. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, th- I think that's, that might be fair. So you go to, I, I go to England. They talk mm-hmm. more shit on Irish people than they ever do Indian people. Cause you guys, you guys study. We mm-hmm. really did incredibly well in Australia in the United States. You know, mm-hmm. we did incredibly well in those two countries. Still in Ireland, very difficult place to to make anything happen. You know, mm-hmm. or we could go to England and they would treat us like a second class citizen for generations. You know, we and then what's yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, it's like that uh, video I sent you about Conan O'Brien talking about how people in like how the Irish people in Boston talk about other Irish people who they think made it. Where if he right. goes to Ireland, I mean, he when he goes back to Boston. And they're like, oh, oh, you think you've become big? And he's yeah. like, no, I just asked for a latte. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, big man. You want a fucking latte? Now get your own latte. Get your own latte. It is, you and I have talked about it, the thing called tall poppy. You know, mm-hmm. we cut our own people down to size. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, what I would say with, with your version of Indians, when they've come to America, they move to the suburbs, man. They just blend in. And their mm. kids are the smartest kids in school. So, you know, yeah, they might get teased their first few years, but then everyone's trying to cheat off of them. Yeah, that's like the awesome part about, like, there's some parts <laughs> of racism which I don't even acknowledge. Like, <laughs> white kids bullying brown kids, where they're like, oh, go home and eat some curry. <laughs> and in my head, I'm thinking, of course the kid's going to go home and eat some curry. Right. What the fuck do you think they cook at home? <laughs> <laughs> you need to come back with, Instead of my mom is tougher than your mom, you know, my food's way better than your food. I've eaten that shit. <laughs> it is um, it is it is an un- unusual thing. So what I what I do see now though is black Americans are now on TV um, in a higher proportion than they are of the population, which is the first time I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, but you know, I've also never really seen a time where smart people were on TV and smart people seem to be in sitcoms, but not on the news. Yeah. It's it weird, makes no right? sense. Like you would see <laughs> yeah. most smart people on the late night talk shows then on the actual hosting panels of news yeah. channels. <laughs> right. So I, there's a few things that I am long-term concerned with. And this goes back to the, your, your guys video. You're going to have to tell everybody what it is again. Cause I don't remember. But, you know, there, the, the Chinese um, Mao's wife was the best one at working the press because that's what she mm-hmm. did for a job. So she changed plays around for and used the word hate and everything to get that going. Look, mm-hmm. Donald Trump was a master 
at whipping up an audience. And that's what she did. And she just had millions and millions more people, if not hundreds of millions. Her husband was a disaster for that country. Absolute disaster. And instead of changing for good and going, whoa, we tried these policies, they don't work. Um, she actually doubled down, which is the Donald Trump thing. I mean, his mm -hmm. whole school of thought, look, Boris Johnson, that dude with the dumbass hair from London. Sorry, folks from England listening, but that guy was an idiot. He, he was a product of New York. Really? <laughs> yeah, I, I think he initially was born in New York or went to school in New York. There's there was something yeah. not right there. But how did you all how did how did he get elected? Just from oh, looks. Mm -hmm. Like you know, he lied like he lied about health services. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, he lied about the NHS, which was like that. Yeah. He was like, there's like 10 million or something going to them, but that was painted right. on a bus that drove all over England. Right. And once he won yeah. the I mean, it was the referendum where he said that there's that much money going out of the system in the UK and all of that. And once he won, there was no accounting. Like, did it increase right. by that? No, it didn't. <laughs> yeah. And and he admitted, no, no, I just made it up. And you mm. go, holy shit. You know, and, and, mm. and so you guys, usually what happens in England usually comes here next, which... Um, mm. I, I listened to an interview of the Videk guy, the Indian guy, the entrepreneur, smart as shit. Do I want him mm -hmm. in charge of government? Absolutely fucking not, but smart as shit. And, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, the, the first breakout in the Southern part of the United States in Louisiana was an, was an Indian guy. Not, I don't think a black has ever been in, been to statewide office in Louisiana, but that guy made it through, but then he sold out the school system and a bunch of other stuff. That was the trade off. And yeah. so I don't, I don't know what the trade is going to have to be, but that the Vidic guys eventually got a huge career. But I think everyone's a little nervous from Trump getting in. And here's what I mean by that. Mm -hmm. Trump had the opportunity to be the best president we've ever had because he could do things differently. He didn't, he wasn't stuck in the political uh, ring of mud mm -hmm. where this endless stupid fucking bantering and fighting goes on. He could just go in and get some shit done. And he didn't do it. And so he profited off of government. His children profited off of government. And people with a sense of how things work figured that out. And that's what I'd be concerned with, with the Vidak guy. You just go, yeah. business people, we always look for opportunity in every situation. That's just how we're built. And, and mm -hmm. that's not going to change, whether we're in politics or not. You know, I've heard stuff in, in city. So we're up there and we're doing a, a, a contract for a guy to grind down some cement. I'm like, God mm -hmm. dang, he's getting half a million dollars for that. I could make that. I could make 300 grand off of that deal. That's what I was thinking as, as it was mm -hmm. happening, you know, but did I do it? No, because I have ethics. I'm not <laughs> supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird deal, but I did like the fact that that guy put all that together. So you're going to have to send me the links to the next one or put a link up on this thing so people can comment back oh, to yeah. us. Because he, he wasn't wrong, and, and politics are all cyclical. So I had a guy mm -hmm. that was a long-term newspaper writer, and he said, what, we're, what is happening here right now is the early 70s. He goes, it's just mm -hmm. rolled back around. You know, it's the 50-year cycle. And I yeah. said... Yeah, but we didn't have 1968. And he goes, sure we did. That was Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. He goes, that was that was the modern 1968. And I was like, wow, yeah. okay. He might 
he might have a point because it was all hippies back then and, mm-hmm. and Black Lives Matter this time. And that was the big pole vault over to um, hopefully out of second class citizenship. I, I don't know if we're really there or if we're practicing now. <laughs> That's how's it look to you from? <laughs> yeah. How's it look to you from the outside? Does it was there really any legislative differences? No. See, that's the thing. There... It, it kind of ran out of steam and yeah. it made noise for a while, but it didn't actually do any significant structural changes that they were looking for. Right. And 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 when private people started raising money off of it, um, mm-hmm. you get into trouble because you allow oh, yeah. other people to demean and make fun of your deal. And there's no way to control uh, 250 different BLM groups. The one here in Oklahoma has huge questions about funds and where they went, all this other stuff that, you know, nobody, nobody's done anything about. They will wait until the opportunity exists is what I would say. The paperwork is all there because I've heard the underpinnings of it for maybe six months now. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah. So when somebody gets their tall poppy, when they get their head up high enough that the files are already there Mm -hmm. and all the names. Yeah. All the names were recognizable. All the people were recognizable. There was a, there was a, and I don't know if it was financial mismanagement. I, I'm not going to, I'm not willing to say it is, but mm-hmm. whoever, whoever they take down first is going to, going to be in trouble. That sucks. Yeah. But that, that, I'm sorry. That's what I saw run out of steam when private mm-hmm. hands started getting on money getting money because, you know, you had a lot of, of good hearted people going, God, how do I give to this, to make things better? You mm-hmm. know, I, I'd never been to events before that were half black and half white and there were no fights. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it was, it was nice. It was nice to see. It was, it was the, it was the belief of what American is happening. Yeah. It yeah. was almost so. aspirational and hopeful, but Till the cracker, till the cracker started kicking back in. (laughs) (laughs) Holy crud, man! That's like that weird thing that they say, right? Where um, people had like boarded up their stores with plywood, where it said "supports Black Lives Matter," but then the boarding up itself was like, "Okay, you're gonna fuck with my store." (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Well, so, so what most people don't understand, those plates of glass are $1,200 each. They take mm-hmm. days to make, and you can't get them put back up immediately. <laughs> you just can't. Okay. <laughs> if, if, if we could do a historical look on the Irish that were sent over, uh, we mm-hmm. did not send, to use Donald Trump, we did not send our best. We <laughs> sent away the people that were problems back home. I mean, we mm-hmm. really did. I read an article at one time on alcoholism rates among the, amongst the Irish in New York because they had like an alcoholic hospital. And the rates were like 80 to 90 percent. I mean, it was just insane. Mm. And I, so fortunately, we've grown through that. Fortunately, Australia's grown out of being a penal colony. But yeah. they were just trying to get rid of us, no different than anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy shit. Oh, the other yeah. interesting thing that I found in that documentary was yeah. the BBC interviewer who was asking the guy who came from the West Indies as to, yeah. after he reached there, what did he feel? And that guy was like, we were always taught that that is the head of the kingdom. 
but it was a right powerful people yeah and that's in the last in 20 minutes mm-hmm. that's in the last 20 minutes right okay yeah. sorry but then he was like we showed up and we realized that this is a frightened country which is still trying to relive its glory days of the empire which is why they right. hated seeing us coming back here whereas for us we weren't going to a different country we were just going yeah. to the head of the damn empire that they kept us under. <laughs> yeah. It was it was the motherland. And mm-hmm. having him talk about saying God save the queen as a kid and cheering on mm-hmm. um, in parades and all that stuff. And then to be yeah. so horribly disappointed that he really wasn't part of the deal. He was just meant to feel he was part of the deal. That's my yeah. worry with BLM. Are you really mm-hmm. in the deal? Or are you part of, you know, have you been made yeah. to feel you're part of the deal? Mm-hmm. Dang. You don't hear a lot about those protests anymore, do you? No, I mean, we just, you know, I, stuff's going to ramp back up here this week because the district attorney, um, but I, I don't feel the fervor for it. Here, here's, I'll tell you the difference, though. As a city councilor, when we were doing the police budget, we need to replace two or three police officers. I don't remember which one. And the talk that we got from our police chief was he said, Look, we got to make sure we don't get a bad cop. We've had bad cops over the years. It just happens, you know. You, you, you. But we have so much to offer them now. We we're giving a ten thousand dollar bonus. They had great raises, and now mm. we got each one of them their own individual car they can drive back to their house, so they don't have two car payments. You have one, and then if you have mm. a second job, you can park our police car outside of the job, which probably gets you a little, you know, five or eight dollars more an hour or something. But we had to put ourselves in the position to be available to get the best of the best police because we don't want the other guys. Mm -hmm. And 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 I I thought it was great that we had that talk. I don't know if that talk would have been had had we not all gone through this and we were willing to do it, you know, to to do that extra. I don't see there being an anti-police appetite right now. And appetite doesn't sound like the right word, but it really is. Mm -hmm. Is there some anti-police hunger. I mean, we've we've gone out and trained our officers how to use these um, iPads when somebody's having a mental health episode, he immediately goes to a therapist. Is it mm. perfect? No. Can we get therapists there? Yes. We are not to the point where we got a therapist on a scooter, which is what we really need. Um, mm. I don't know why I get pushback on this whole scooter thing. Our city is only a little over three by three miles. Scooters yeah. go way quicker than cars and everything. Right. And I just look at Israel. You just look at Mm. Israel and go, okay, this is how they do it. They have figured out a quicker way to get to somebody's house. But we've taken all of those steps. Now, we also have trained snipers and everything else because we have to have them these days. But we have gone well above, and I would credit a guy that I don't care for very much, Adam Graham and my wife, Kathy, and those those were the ones that started all this stuff. Mm -hmm. two, Two former mayors, one really good one, and the other one did help get this stuff started. And so yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know where that goes from here, but we've done what it takes. I don't know about other people, you know. See, that's the so, thing, right? Uh, At least you guys acknowledge that there was an issue, which is why you all took the steps there. If you keep denying right. it, then you're never going to do anything that's going to even remotely help or no, acknowledge that not, there's something going wrong or fixable. Well, so I think, People see the acknowledgement as being anti-police, and it's just not. Look, mm-hmm. you know, when, micro, when microwaves came along, there were restaurants that refused to use them. Yeah. And you go, really? It's, 
all it does is heat food up from the inside. And they go, it's not natural. And you go, right, it's called science. We've we've moved on to the next thing. You mm-hmm. know, what and and I also think there's there's part of uh part of that deal is is a recognition of are we growing as human beings or are we staying the same? And mm-hmm. I personally am, I believe myself to be a better human being than I was when I was in my twenties. And uh, does it make me perfect? No, but I'm a shit ton better than I was in my twenties. Mm-hmm. You know, why, yeah. why not? <laughs> and the only way you get better on that is to go, Oh, hey, oh that wasn't very nice. <laughs> and then I didn't know any better. You know, I was just, I was just. That's like those moments when I think about something in my twenties, and I go like, "Oh my god, you piece of shit!" <laughs> yeah, Every, like just everybody does. Myself. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not unique. I hate to break it to I you. Know. We, no, I know. We all want a common thing. <laughs> oh yeah, and you know, and, and when I cut my kids so much slack that are that age, because mm-hmm. you know, people people cut me slack. Now the question is, do we cut? Do we cut everybody that slack? No, we don't. Mm. Nope. You know, I, I always, uh, I always think, you know, just think of the difference between so. White faces show emotion really easy because every, you can see everything. Mm-hmm. Whole bunch of black black people that I went to school with were trained not to show emotion, because mm-hmm. if they looked scared or nervous or anything, it worked to their negative. And if they looked angry, it worked to their negative. So they show nothing. Well, nothing Mm -hmm. to white people is ambiguity. Like you don't care. Yeah. And they're just trying not to get the shit beat out of them. They do say that, right? Like white, black, and uh, even brown people to an extent have to get into character the moment they're outside their house because they couldn't live. Nobody can like look at their face and be like, oh shit, that's threatening. Because that is what certain right from advertising to the media has put that in our right. subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. And the other part of that is you can't look everybody in the eye, which is what I do. As you pass me mm-hmm. by, I look in the eye and go, hey, what's up? You know, yeah. and which, of course, in San Francisco, in New York, I have to not do that. Mm-hmm. But here, here it's okay. But they don't have that option because some Southerners take that as it's a power thing. Mm-hmm. Now the conversation we are having, yeah, exactly. Well, it's yeah, but also you, you, I, there's there's a thing about males and how they wear a baseball cap tells you whether they want trouble or not. Okay. Now, if it's pulled down where you can barely see their eyes, they're looking for a fight. If it's pulled mm. all the way back, generally they're pretty happy. And that's the shit we're trained to look at is, am I going to have any conflict? Because if I am, I'm swinging first. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's that's just the way it works. I'm swinging first. And so I don't know. Obviously, so what we are talking about right here is critical race theory because we are treating people different. Ah, Sean, I need to cancel myself at this point. (laughs) Exactly. 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 But but it's okay for you and I to go, Hey, in this situation, this is what I see. So I Mm -hmm. went from all, all basically white schools to a school with people from all over the world. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about any of their cultures except the Latino ones, because my godmother was from Ecuador. And, uh, and so I had a little more experience with that than, than the others. 
And you just adjust. You try to figure out what's important to them. You know, we were making fun of um, this guy from Kuwait one time because when on, on the weekend, sometimes he would wear the, the headgear. Uh-huh. And, you know, he went to the principal and he was like, I don't know why these guys are making fun of me for this. And mm-hmm. The headmaster came over and said, hey, stop doing that. That's actually what they wear in his country. And we're like, oh, shit. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was 13 years old. Farts were funny. You know, I wasn't really trying to make fun of the guy, but farts are funny. Mm-hmm. He's a multi-billionaire. Is who we were making fun of. And I had no idea. Yeah. You know? So I, I made that adjustment. Then I go back to all white schools, all white schools, and then basically an all black school. So mm-hmm. I have the life experience that's way different than most people. And being the only whitey in my class was a whole different ball game of learning that they were all trying to read me. Yeah. You know, and most, most everybody was nicer than shit. And of course you got a couple of assholes. And so I fought mm-hmm. them. And once you beat them up, everybody was cool. It was just like jail. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Dude. But everyone, a lot of the other kids were really surprised. I would talk to them and hang out with them. Hmm. That I mean, like, surprise, right? surprise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, nobody had ever done it before. Yeah. You know, the, the job was the attempt to integrate the schools, and all they did is cause the white people to run to the suburbs and and across the state line. So they kept doing what they knew. Sean, the Adam Curtis documentary, he talks about how the opioid addiction now can be linked back to people fleeing from inner cities where they have their communities to being right. isolated in this huge compound where they basically right. saw their neighbors and how that right. led to them starting to use Valium to dull the loneliness of that existence, which mm-hmm. further created a more open mind to it, other opioids and addictions that ultimately led. Because he does talk about Sackler and mm-hmm. how Sackler was the one who pushed the Valiums for the housewives who were trapped in right. these suburban homes. Oh, and yeah. then, little yellow mm-hmm. helper, little yellow helper. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, my mom had seven kids. I wouldn't blame her if she was taking them. The deal of moving to the suburbs was an idea of success. And mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure you've experienced this and I've experienced this. You get some success and you buy all the shit you've ever wanted. And then you realize yeah. you're more lonely than you ever were. But okay. you're surrounded by all of this really cool stuff. And then the only thing that's left is to compete with your neighbor about who has more cool shit. Mm-hmm. There's nothing the Christ- left. I mean, <laughs> that's why the Christmas light competitions between neighbors. <laughs> right. It's just insane. For for those of you who don't know what this is, suburban America, it, they, so when I would work politics and go to suburban areas and knock doors or drop off literature on doors, there was this innate competition for whether it be Easter or Christmas or whatever the holiday was, people put more shit on their houses than I've ever seen. And if I did that, somebody would probably steal it. But so we, we, Kathy and I are not in a, we're in a suburb within the city. So it means I live in a mm. city, but the ones in the actual suburbs, because nobody ever steals this stuff. Yeah. So they just buy more every year. And it is a competition between them and their neighbors of who mm. can have more shit lit up by electricity. It's, it's, <laughs> But it's, but they are really pretty homes generally, you know, I mean, nothing mm-hmm. exceeds like excess, but, but they are pretty homes and you go, yeah, I, I, that's all I do there is sleep. 
I mean, that, that is not mm-hmm. a place I'm investing all my money. I, I got, I got other shit I'm doing. Sorry. I'm taking my bread out of the oven here. Yeah. I have a really, really oddly, uh, oddly thick version. <laughs> so taking John, is forever that, is that the italian bread or is that your bread <laughs> no that it's mine that's irish uh well here's the thing it's irish raisin bread nobody makes this shit in ireland only mm. americans and uh so in ireland you can get the same thing with like some currants and then you add some uh, molasses to it and it's called treacle bread and i don't know how we went from that to this but this is what americans expect is Irish bread. And I, I'm trying to say that in a non-insulting way. Did it work? <laughs> yeah. uh, <really>. No. <laughs> <laughs> less, less than a minute to go, Sean, and you managed okay. to insult 90% of our audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're just going to cuss at me anyway. All right. uh-huh. Well, hey, I, I'm glad. So you're going to send me the next episode of this so we can keep kind of weaving in and out of this deal. And I oh, do sure. want to talk about that Catholic Church's expulsion of that kid because of his mother. Oh, God, yeah, I did see that, Jing. That, that is, is my dumb. hometown. That's my hometown. Wednesday, and the same cover sh- that. Yeah. <laughs> same shit's going on there, and it's really, I don't want to be the anti-Catholic voice. I mean, but it is in the, Sinead O'Connor just died. Shouldn't we take up the flag for her? Mm-hmm. No, yeah. All right. All right, my friend, I will talk to you on Wednesday. It's good to see you. Yep. Thank you. All right, buddy. That was the Thank Villages you, Podcast. <laughs>